Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Forgotten Cinema is getting romantic for our eighth season and just in time for Valentine's Day as we cover the 90s ensemble drama, Beautiful Girls. We'll then do a complete 180 as we dive into some spy films, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Spy Game. We'll find out why white men can't jump and whether you should shoot to kill while enjoying a Frankenweenie. Nope, that doesn't make any sense. You know what else doesn't make sense? This season will also feature our 100th episode of Forgotten Cinema. Feels like 100 years. Don't I know it. Forgotten Cinema. Never stop, never stopping. Yes, that's a hint. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Pat Whalen. Pat is a lifelong comic book geek. And Mike is a filmmaker and storyteller. So naturally, a bulk of our conversations surround the world of the Marvel movies. Some consider the MCU one of the greatest achievements in modern day filmmaking. And others just think they're comic book movies. Each episode, we'll tackle one film and discuss the differences between the comic book and what's on screen. We'll explore the growth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception to present day and beyond and have a little fun along the way. You may not have asked for it. You certainly don't need it, but you'll be happy we're here. We think this is yet another MCU podcast. We've made it, Pat. We're here at the epilogue. Welcome. Welcome to the end. Thanks, Mike. How you doing? I'm uh I'm doing well. I'm I mean I'm not, I don't think I'm saddened that we're ending. I think that I'm just more we'll get to that at the end. So uh I think I'm just more kind of like, you know, I've got other things to do, kind yes. of things, which yeah. is good, which are good things. We got a lot more coming. So just <laughs> so welcome. This is uh, yet another MCU podcast. Uh we will be talking about Spider-Man Far From Home today. Uh we uh as I'll let you know as I always do before, we'll tell you how we break it down. First we're going to talk about the movie, then we're going to talk about this movie and its uh, comparison to the comics. And then finally, this movie and it's a place in the MCU, which might be a little weird because it's the last one that has been out yet. Of the Infinity Saga. Yeah. Correct. Then Pat will have his recommended reading after that. But stick around after the recommended reading because Pat and I will take about 15 to 20 minutes, hopefully 15, uh, to just kind of reflect on the last 26, 20. uh, No, maybe 30. No, because I'm talking about the bonus episodes. Oh, yeah. The bonus episodes. So I think there's seven bonus episodes. So I want to say this is where this is probably the 30th one, the yes. 30th yeah, episode. So we'll we'll be talking about that after the recommended reading. So stick around. OK, Pat, let's get into it. I know I talked. I'm just going to keep I'm going to go right into the movie. I don't want I'm going to ask let's you to give me any kind of I'll just you be quiet. <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home has a runtime of 129 minutes. Rated PG-13 production budget of one hundred and sixty million dollars came out on July 2nd, 2019. That is a Tuesday, which is correct, because I'm pretty sure this was this was set to come out the third. And then like maybe a week or two before they changed the release date. I remember that because like, no, now it's coming on the second. We're just like, come on. Yeah, they, I mean, I, it's it's Fourth of July weekend anyway. Can I didn't talk now, by the way. Yes, you can <laughs> Okay, no, continue. It's Fourth of July weekend. You're going to get the 
does that extra day really make that much of a difference? Maybe. I think they, so I can't remember what else was coming out. I wanted, I should have looked, but I think it was to kind of just add, because all that adds to the opening weekend gross. Mm-hmm. So that's why. It's just games they play. So anyways, the opening weekend, it did $92 million. So that counts Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That all is that's opening weekend. It's six days. Uh, you know, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a bit, that's cheating. It is cheating. Yeah. Domestic did 390 worldwide. Pat, what do you think it did? You said domestic, it did 390? 390 million worldwide. What do you think it did? Uh, 795. Nope. 1.1 $1. $1 billion dollars. Stark was uh, Stark wasn't even in this movie, but his photo was enough to bring it to one point one billion dollars. So uh, it uh, directed by John Watts, who did the Homecoming, and I'm pretty sure he's doing Homeworlds, right? Whatever the third one is, yeah, I think it's called Home. I think it's called Homeworlds, isn't it? I thought they said that. Uh, whatever. No, it, it's been rumored to be Homeworlds, Home Run, Home Run. Do not call it Home Run. That is stupid. Homeschooled. That's stupid too. No place like home. I'm telling you right now, it's called Home Worlds. That's what I'm saying. Uh, written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers, who I've uh, done Homecoming and Ant Man and the Wasp. Uh, cinematographer Matthew Lloyd, who's done Captain Marvel and Thor Ragnarok. I, I always try to give you credits uh, for those who are not aware of the other MCU movies that they've been part of. Uh, Michael Giacchino returns as a composer. He does uh, Doctor Strange, but he also does the Marvel fanfare. Yes, he does. Okay. Yeah. Uh, produced by Kevin Feige, obviously. Edited by Lee. Folsom Boyd, who did Ant-Man, and Dan Lebenthal, who did Iron Man, the very first one. So he does the very first one of the MCU's uh, Infinity Saga and the very last one. He also did Ant-Man as well. That's appropriate. All right. I thought so. Maybe they just threw him on there. Can you edit this scene so we can say that? Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So as Pat told me before we started this, he hates this movie. So Marvel fans, yell at Pat. (laughs) Why do you hate this movie? Well, let let me start with this. Do you know what Edith stands for? Yes, I do. You want to? Well, he says it in the movie. Yeah. Even, even, uh, even, even dead. Di- even, I'm the hero. Yeah. And if that's not the thesis for this stupid film, I don't know what is. <laughs> I watched it in theaters when it first came out. I enjoyed it. When I watched it this time around, it's I find it a lot more problematic. Well, what did you like when you first watched it in theaters, and, and like what changed? I think it was just the experience of being in the theater, and you're part of that that crowd think mentality. Everybody's cheering when he's swinging around, but. Mysterio is a great villain and Jake Gyllenhaal plays him incredibly. And um, you still like that. And I still like that. The action set pieces are really good. All, all of them, the, the one in the Italian canal, the one at the uh, carnival, and then even the one in London are really well done. And I, I do like the zombie Iron Man scene when, when Peter's getting messed up by Mysterio. Oh, when he's, when he's seeing the visions. When he's seeing yeah, the yeah, visions. Yeah. And then... I've said it before on the show. I like Tom Holland as an actor, but I don't like Peter Parker. You don't like his version of I don't Peter like, Parker. I don't like how, yeah, I don't like his version of Peter Parker. I especially don't like Peter Parker in this film. I really liked Peter in uh, Homecoming. I don't like him in this one. So your rebuttal. <laughs> I don't have a rebuttal. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I've never really been a fan of how Peter Parker is. In, there's like the fast maturation of the character because they need him to be uh, the other, the new Iron Man or they need him, even though they say that you're not the new Iron Man, but it, they need him to be the Avenger that leads them into the phase four, phase yeah. five, phase six. That's what they need out of Tom Holland because Peter Parker, the Spider-Man is such a popular character that they've obviously 
eyed him as somebody who's going to be the connective tissue. I know that there's a case to be made for Doctor Strange because Cumberbatch and he's an older man and mm-hmm. you know that that could be as well. But I always view him as somebody who is within the multiverse kind of like something something that has to deal with kind of multiverse, uh, you know. Yeah. Which is kind of a spoiler for you know the fourth, uh, the, excuse me, the third Spider Man because yep. you know that's what we keep hearing, and then obviously with Wandavision. But I think they're they, they're forcing the issue with his character to make him be more adult. Yes, it's your point about they're they're trying to grow him up too much. Is they Marvel didn't want a retread of the the Raimi Spider Man movies or even the Andrew Garfield one, who Andrew Garfield looks much older than Tom Holland does and probably was at the time of the first movie. They wanted to do the Peter in high school, but they're bored by the Peter in high school and they need him to be Peter at 30. We probably talked about it either last week or the last Spider-Man where he's no longer your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. So you've lost that. And you can say all you want about how like, oh, we needed to we needed to take the character this route. But it's like you're taking a big part of the character and it's you. Everything you're doing now is foreign to people that know Spider-Man. And it's you have to really hit it out of the park or. It doesn't this is, work. This is what this is the reaction. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't like there's nothing like we talk about all the time. We talked about the last episode in terms of the Avengers. You know, we talked about like the iconic moments mm-hmm. in that movie, but there's nothing I can really relate to in this movie in terms of like what's iconic for Spider-Man. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Night Monkey, like yeah. that stuff. I, I don't. And we and when we talked about Homecoming and we talked about the iconic moments, those iconic moments were almost watered down versions of iconic moments from the Raimi movies yeah where you had him we where you had peter the tom holland peter webbing together the staten island ferry which is but yeah which was basically the 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 train scene from spider-man 2 which was much better yes the train scene is 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 much better on multiple levels yes. because it talks about we're in this together as new yorkers like that whole mm-hmm. thing and we won't keep your, we won't reveal your secret it's just it's just well better done yeah. it's just and then in this one like you said there's no they take him out of the spider-man costume for a good chunk of the movie. Yeah. They give him the, the night monkey or the Spider-Man noir costume for those mm-hmm. familiar with the Spider-Verse movies. There's no real icon. I guess the most iconic moment you have is the, the teaser end. when he's swinging through New York, he's with swinging MJ. by Madison square garden. You see, you know, the, the, the signs for 33rd street and you know, you know where he's going. He swings by grand central and then he's got MJ in his arms. And those are the Spider-Man moments and then that's it. He spends 30 seconds yeah. in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. It's a, you know, you, you want to separate yourself from the Raimi Spider-Mans, yet you're basically taking from the Raimi Spider-Mans yeah. in, the, in the end. And it's and if that's the best, if that's the most iconic and the best part you like about the movie, that what does that say about, like, nobody cares or gives a crap about Peter Parker on a, on a field trip. No. That's not exciting. I love when he, before he's going to go, whether he's deciding he's going to take the, the suit, he looks at the suit hanging, and then he looks at the suit in the corner that's like the, the nanobots, like, how are you taking that? <laughs> like, why are you even looking at that? <laughs> this field trip bugs the hell out of me. But I, for, I, like, I just want to throw this out there and then I want to hear what you like about the movie is no way does this field trip happen. First of all, second of all, when the first attack happens, they are on the first flight out of there. Oh, I'm sure. I don't I don't care. What well, they're also well, here's the nations you make within the story. <laughs> you guys are still recovering from the blip. A global event just happened that, you know, injured people in Italy. You're right there. You're hopping on the next flight. That doesn't, yeah. th- there's no question yeah. that school is going to be sued. <laughs> and you are getting those kids as far away and as safe as possible. And well, you, it just doesn't 
makes sense. You also live in a world though where these occurrences, these battles between villains and heroes happen quite often. So people are used to it at this point. I guess. I kind of like people have adapted to walking around with masks all the time. Yeah. You know, this is what it is what it is. Okay, so I'll tell you what I liked. I actually I actually didn't mind uh MJ in this. I didn't mind Zendaya in this compared to the first movie because the f- uh, the first movie I thought they had her they wrote her very quippy. She always was squinting. She always was making like one liners and it, it, she, you know what I mean? Like they didn't. And I brought this up with somebody else and they were saying to me that that was because maybe they're trying to hide the fact that she was MJ. Okay, fine. So I didn't really wasn't a fan of that character in the first movie. I was okay with her in this movie. You know, she is still, you know, smarter than she is the kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. and there's really no, I don't really, the relationship, the attraction is very forced. I don't see it. I still don't like Ned. I'm sorry. I was going to ask, is he more of a liability or less of a liability? He's, he's, he's bad. Like, here's the thing. Like the moment when he, when he walks in, he catches them together and he uh, knock. Yeah. You're in the middle of the hotel room. You don't knock. You just walk in, you leave the door wide open and he's dressed in his Spider-Man outfit. And you're just kind of like, what? Hey, what are you doing? It's like, uh, I can't stand Ned. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't, I can't stand Ned. I don't want to hear Ned's stupid, uh, uh, about, you know, women and being an adult and all that stuff he does. It's just uninteresting to me. (laughs) I, I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe I'm too old, but I'm, if I had a, if I was in school and there was a dude like Ned and he was always like that, I would not be friends with him. I'm sorry. I just don't like Ned. Well, Mike, do you, and you know, you being a man with, with your wife, do you understand the actual needs of a woman? No, and, give me and- a break. Yeah, I know. Give me a break. No, he is. No, I just, I just, do you like Ned? I mean, am I wrong here? I he's mean, fine. Oh, I, I, like, come on. I, come on. Fine. I agree with you about the, um, the relationship. That was my big, like MJ and Peter exchanged like three lines of dialogue between two movies and he's in love with her. And I get like, people have made the case, oh, they're 16. That's what 16 year olds do. Okay, fine. But you're making a movie like we're supposed to know off screen that this conversation about the black Dahlia thing happened. And, and I just don't yeah. care about them. Yeah. You're like, she's dark. Yeah. She has a dark side. And you I know, don't care. I, I, I agree. The same way you don't care about that is I don't care about Ned. So, yeah. you know, that's it's, yeah. This, uh, the, the relationship in this one between Ned and Peter reminded me of the, uh, the kid, the, the kid that partners with Liam Neeson in love. Actually, he doesn't say a His word. Son? To well, it's like not even his stepson. His, his sort of stepson, yeah. Yeah, his yeah stepson. stepson. Yeah. What, what is that? Oh, with him and the girl that with the, he doesn't talk to the girl. But they do it better though. All movie. Yeah. And then he goes and kisses her at the end of it, and he's like, "I love you," I, you know, and everything. It's still better than this. You have no exchange of dialogue in the entire movie, but you're right. It's still better. Still better than this. Well, that, uh, this isn't a vignette. Well, actually, it's a whole vignette movie. Yeah. But I, I got you. I understand what you're saying. Here's the thing with Ned. Ned needs to die because. <laughs> Ned's purpose right now is to make it real for Peter. That's what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Ned needs to die. I'm sorry. I, I, if everyone loves Ned, I, I, I get it. But And I have no personal... I don't hate the actor. I don't hate anything like that. I just don't like this character. And I don't like it in this movie. And he has to die because that's the only way that... It's going to not that I need to see him go, but like it, that's what his purpose is. What is his purpose? And that's what for those who have read the comics and those who know the comics or even if you don't, the character of Gwen Stacy, who we meet in the amazing Spider-Man films with Andrew Garfield, played by um, Emma Stone. Yes. She dies. And it's because of Peter. As Peter goes and tries to save her, 
and the web catches her. And she dies well too. Like not like, well, I mean like it's a nice, it's a great story. Cause she a, back backs. No, yeah. I'm talking in the move when she slaps her head. It's, yeah, it's yeah. the same thing oh, nice. in the comics nice. and, and Peter's web causes that kind of uh, yeah. shift in velocity. And so for that moment beforehand, Peter was, you know, he knew it was dangerous. He was always hiding his identity because he didn't want his family and friends to be injured or hurt because of him. But that was the moment that made it real. And I think, you know, you're making the same argument here for Ned is he needs to lose Ned to see it's real, despite the fact that he's lost Tony. But yeah, to Tony, it's but again, but here's, but here's the thing. Another it's another forced relationship between the their father son relationship which is what they're trying to set up but all that is off screen none of that is on screen i guess yes on avengers when they hug you know i understand from tony's point of view in avengers uh, endgame he's upset that he loses him mm-hmm. and he he's you know he gets him back and he really like that's but that's that's tony's that's yeah. not peter's peter has no idea what's been happening for the last 5 years so any kind of emotion between tony stark and peter parker is always off screen Right. And and we're supposed all we're seeing is the mopiness on screen. Uh, there's more of a he, he, here's the other thing. I like Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie. I like yes. Jake Gyllenhaal as an actor ever yes. since he left and went to do stage and came back. And his movies have just been they, they've been different. Prisoners. Um, Southpaw. Yep. Yep. Like but he's he's taking chances yep. and I like him. He's really, I think he's real Nightcrawler. I think he's really good. He's really good in this movie. He is. The problem is that Pete just gives him, like he, he just, just trusts him implicitly yes. for no reason. But I enjoy Mysterio. I enjoy Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie. But yeah, uh, I, I thought I liked Quentin Beck's character and I almost, uh, I mean, we'll get to, I guess, oh, I guess we can get to it because it's the movie in and of itself. Yeah. I don't understand the I don't understand the plan to unveil Spider-Man at the end in the, in the teaser. I don't get that. Why Quentin Beck's doing that? I don't know either. And it hopefully, and, and what I'm worried is, and this is our point we made in our Dr. Strange episode is we're not going to see a second Dr. Strange movie for seven years. Well, after. they're doing it now. No, I know oh, they're doing oh, it for right, seven right, years. Right, after right, the right, right. The first you, one, and Dr. You. Strange had, at the end of that movie had teased other storylines mm-hmm. and we know now that it's going to focus on Elizabeth Olsen, Scarlet Witch and the multiverse and everything. Mm-hmm. And we know that he's going to play into Spider-Man with this tease, like this tease sets something up. And there was also the tease in homecoming with, you know, the vulture and scorpion in prison that they might be building towards the center sinister six, which is the group of villains that get together and fight Spider-Man. Is that just going to be all derailed so we could do multiverse stuff? Or are we actually going to get a resolution to this storyline? Because it, it tees it up like we this the next movie should pick up right after this. Yeah. Or are we going to spend so much time on multiverse nonsense? Yeah. Instead of focusing on this ending, and then we get to realize what happened here. Do you think that they're going to say that Mysterio faked his death? Jake Gyllenhaal is a great actor, and I, I I'm sure they want to keep him yeah. in the franchise and be nice instead of killing off every character like traditional comic book movies do. Right. I almost wonder if they take Peter Billings character and turn him into a new. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he can handle that. I don't know. But when you're going, when, he's when you're a, on a team, he's with, a henchman. He is a henchman. But when you're on a team with Michael Keaton and, you know, if you get some other big names to play either Doc Ock or uh, cool. the lizard or whoever. Well, the tinker is not dead, right? The tinker killed. Yeah. No, I don't think the tinker. So dead. the tinker is still out tinker there. Could be the henchman too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's those, these are henchmen guys. I mean, yeah. the, I mean, I get like, it's, it would be interesting because in this movie you're kind of setting up, like they're just tipping their toe in being evil and right. doing things. But, but now it, you know, it's just Beck 
who is we've seen who's dead. Everyone else is still alive. So you wonder you would probably see them maybe join forces with, with other someone else. Right. Yeah. But you have the moment where Peter Billings takes the info. Yes. Yeah, you see him. But Peter Billings is well, the, for those that don't know, he's the side character. He's like the henchman to Mysterio. He was the guy in Iron Man One that yes. got screamed at by Obadiah Stane. Where also is he from? A Christmas story. There you go. And he's good friends with John Favreau. Yeah. Who had him play a character in Elf. Yeah. And so that's how we brought him on to Hey, listen, good. He can handle it. People fall out of favor for no friggin' reason sometimes. We talk about the villains all the time, like villainous obstacles in these movies. Mm -hmm. He's the first villain that in a while with the green smoke because you have green for a villain. Uh, So (laughs) the Quentin Beck character can be somebody that if he's, I'm sure he is dead, but if he wasn't dead, he could be somebody that could turn maniacal really Mm -hmm. and and just kind of like be like the pseudo Lex Luthor kind of thing. Yes. You know, but, but when Billingsy takes the thing at the end, he, I thought that's when he's taking the video. That's when he's taking the video. Nothing else though. Right. Yeah. I I just don't get the I don't get the reasoning behind the video. That's all. Yeah, and I don't know where it's going to lead to mm-hmm. in the next movie, and that's something we're, we're unable to answer right now. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's it was a tease. You know, how much of it was a tease that was planned ahead, or how much was it a tease? And let's just see what happens. We haven't even talked about the Nick Fury, Murray Hill stuff, and oh maybe we should save that for the MCU. Okay, because I got some, I got some problems there. I got some problems. <laughs> I also have some problems with Brad. Okay, do you want to do? We'll do that now. Then all right, my problems with. Brad, the Brad storyline is like a waste of 15 minutes. It's, it's just painful. It's, it's just yeah. an obstacle. It's, it's, it's yes, it is. Exactly. Just, it's so frustrating and so stupid. And I don't like I had I wanted to just shut it off every time Brad was on the screen. <laughs> well, he's there because he's there to make you root for MJ and Peter to get together. That's the only reason he's there. But I don't root for him because Peter's a weirdo. He Peter is. sits in the back of the bus, plays on his phone. He doesn't talk to anybody else on this field trip well, other than Ned. Well, I love the I love in the bus when he's like, "Oh, baby goats," and everyone looks. Well, really? Everybody yeah. looks. Everybody looks at baby goats. Every, really? What is wrong with these people? Yeah. And it's, but they listen yeah. to Peter, who hasn't said a word to anybody this entire yeah, trip. Yeah. He goes off on his own to buy some jewelry, which apparently everybody's just allowed to wander Italy by themselves because nobody knows about Amanda Knox. And <laughs> I just Peter is I can't say this enough. He's just a weirdo. I don't know why people like him. Well, you're also but you're also in a school that is for like the smart, right? It's a yeah, it's, it's a, like a yeah, it's an advanced. So I mean, they're all weirdos, quote unquote. And I say that in a good way because they can you have know, conversations with each other, except for Peter. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I, how does Peter afford that school? I think he was on a scholarship. Is he? They never talk know. about it. I don't know. Well. And then they give Aunt May the job working at a nonprofit. Is yeah, and they should have just given her the Maria Stark Foundation nonprofit, which is the nonprofit that at some points had financed the Avengers. Yeah, instead of giving her this weird home displacement nonprofit for for laughs, basically. Do they? Do you think that they did the Happy Hogan relationship with her just to have Happy Hogan in the movie, kind of thing, to keep him connected with Peter? Yes, think? but yeah. I'll give you some. There's some comic. Oh, okay, All right. well, sorted that, to that. Well, I always like that, but. I wanted to add this one is when they keep throwing in these alternate father figure like characters, whether it's Mysterio, it's Tony, it's happy. And we haven't seen uncle Ben yet. I know people are getting like, there's two things that people get sick of. It's, it's seeing Thomas and Martha Wayne get killed in Batman movies and her dropping pearls. We get it already. They die. Mm -hmm. And then seeing uncle Ben get killed Mm -hmm. in Spider-Man movies or Spider-Man cartoons or whatever. But 
there has been no aside from one little brief like image on his suitcase that right. says BFP Benjamin Franklin Parker. There is no reference to Uncle Ben, mm-hmm. and so with no Uncle Ben, there's no with great power comes great rep- responsibility, and with no with great power comes great responsibility. That, that Peter decides I'd rather go to the Eiffel Tower than save humanity. That's not Peter Parker. That's not Spider Man. That's you know newsflash, Pete. If humanity is wiped out. There's no Eiffel Tower. You just listen to Quentin Beck tell you how his world was destroyed. Yeah. And then he's like, well, you know what? I'm not really worried about that. I'm going to go to the Eiffel Tower and tell this you know, girl I've never spoken to that I love her. Yeah. He completely like when he tells them he doesn't want to do anything when they tell him the job and yeah. Nick Fury slash Talos says, you know, we need you. And he's just like, I don't want to do this. And they're just like, all right, see ya. It's like, what? What? I want to go back to Mysterio and his plan again. So I talk about how I don't understand his plan to reveal Spider-Man. But here's the other thing. His plan is to be an Avenger. Like he's okay, but how is he going to keep the holographic charade up as being an Avenger? He can't really fly. I think he's going to be the only Avenger. Well, he makes a comment that he's going to, you know, be one of them. They're not there now. There's no Avengers, right. but they don't. We know. We find out why. I guess, but <laughs> we don't know that in the movie. But his plan is to become an Avenger or be part of them. But like. So what are you going to do? Bring these drones everywhere all the time when you're at the... Or fill it up with his own people. Like Maybe. Introduce other superheroes that are sidekicks to him so he becomes the leader. I don't know. It's it's a good question. I, I know that we'll get to the... Maybe this might be a good time with the comics aspect because I know Mysterio, the Quentin Beck character, is very similar in the comic, yes. correct? Okay. Yeah. Would you have preferred it to him actually being... Have, have superhero powers to, to this... Uh, no, this is it's this is similar to what. No, he I know that, but I'm saying, yeah. would you have preferred him he to be somebody who actually had powers, or maybe at the end he, yeah, something like that? Would no, you have that preferred. Okay, no. Before we move on to the comics, I wanted to just give a shout out to some of the people that have been following us. Oh, okay, since the beginning, because I, I put a poll out there on Instagram. I didn't know we were doing this. <laughs> I put a poll on Instagram. You know, I asked did people like the film, and two thirds said yes, a third said no. Out of how many votes? I don't remember. Like what, two? Go no. ahead. It couldn't be two. <laughs> three. It'd be f- <laughs> more than three. Did I vote? <laughs> yeah, you voted. You uh, nice, no. nice. You know, we had Katrina who asked for a maybe option. And I think that might be the most accurate response like with this movie is mm-hmm. it's maybe it's okay. We had Chris at arguing with said, I enjoyed it. The bonus is nice to see somebody else be the bad baddie instead of the Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. Which is true. The Housewives Marvel podcast said the movie drags so many places. Acting was so uh, stiff sometimes, but they still love the franchise. And I think that one's true as well. It's, it's a two hour movie, but it feels long. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our, our friends over at Pint of Comics who will be launching a new show with them soon. that says it's OK. Too long. Angry Stark employee villain again. Mm-hmm. Get rid of the iron spider suits. Yeah, well, I didn't like this. The the I know the spoot is in the beginning. Yeah, it looks stupid. It looks absolutely stupid. I mean, maybe it's just because it's not in action. Yeah, but it looks bad. And I was just like, ugh, that yeah. doesn't look like Spider Man. Yeah, you're talking about the one that he wears at the at the check when they get the yeah, check when he yeah. gets the check yeah. at the, the homeless dinner. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a fan. And then we have from an idea underscore pod underscore podcast, which uh, um, said Mysterio is one of the best villains in the MCU and has some of the coolest visuals. Which that goes to Gyllenhaal. Yeah. That goes to what that goes. You know what it is? It goes to his acting, but it also goes to the Beck character having a discernible goal and having yeah. a, a in, 
having a what he wants to do and goes and does it and you know what i mean it, it makes sense and it all and you know they want to go get the edith they want to get the, the drones they want to do all that my question with that is though they've already had a few drones like they never really had access to the satellite or did they they needed edith to get access to the satellite for more drones i think so yes so what drones were they using beforehand to make all these elementals exactly i was a little con- I was a little confused there I don't know. Because when he gets Edith, uh, which was the goal, so they can get access to the drones that are mm-hmm. somehow floating above the earth. I'm thinking, where the what drones were they looking? What, where were the drones they had before? Yeah, I couldn't find any difference between Stark Edith drones. Yes, and right. Previous I, drones. I was just confused. And I maybe right. Maybe know, maybe I'm maybe they already had access to it beforehand. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. I just never saw that because I was a little confused at that point when mm-hmm. they were like when they called them all down. I'm like, well, I don't understand. Well, where were the other drones? Yeah. So that was one That's good thing. point. Speaking of the drones, so when Beck flies up after Peter Parker gets yelled at mm-hmm. and Beck flies up and hey how you doing you do have sarcasm on this plane he sits next to him okay yeah. at what point is he is he on a drone and then he sits down next to him or is he is that him sitting down next to Peter is that completely is he a complete hologram like that's the thing I don't understand like I just the tech and when it works and when it doesn't work yeah like Which, yeah <laughs> I'm still I'm back to the the drones you know Tony Stark still doesn't learn his lesson Oh, of course. Yeah, I know. Instead I mean, of Iron even, Suits, he has drones now. Even in death, he still doesn't learn his lesson from Ultron. Well, when did he make all these drones? Like, like that's the thing. Like, they just know. they just fabricate technology and they equate it. Like, at some point in these movies, there's no more Stark tech, right? Like, he's dead. So they're so I would assume that Pepper Potts Pepper Potts is taking the Stark brand and doing something else with it. In Iron Man One, because now we're getting into the the universe, but in Iron Man One, he says we're not making weapons anymore. Right. But they do. Proceeds to make weapons. It just keeps making them. It just keeps making. All right, let's go to the comics. Yeah. Uh, we'll get. We'll get to all that. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I'll just start from what I have because I don't have yeah. a lot, and then you can just add in the ones you wanted. I don't know why I have this note here because I don't think we've ever talked about it. Was Spider-Man's first appearance was in Amazing Fantasy number fifteen? Amazing Fantasy number fifteen. Uh, Stanley and Steve Ditko. It was actually the last issue of Amazing Fantasy, and despite Stanley and and the crew over there launching the Fantastic Four and several other, you know, top characters, he was still not given a lot of opportunity on Spider-Man because teen characters were thought of as more sidekicks. And he wanted to say, no, no, no. You know, he's a teenager, but he's the hero. He's the hero of the story. I wanted to relate to teenage readers because that's who our audience is. And so that's that's what he did. So they gave him this uh, spot in Amazing Fan in Amazing Fantasy 15. It was the last issue of Amazing Fantasy. Nobody really cared if it bombed. And it, but it didn't. It did well. And so a couple months later, they launched the Amazing Spider-Man series. Okay. Yeah. There's tons of license plate references in this movie for some friggin' reason. The license. There's one license plate reference for a Marvel Team Up issue '83 uh, from July 1979 called Spider-Man and Nick Fury. So I didn't realize that they were ever together at some point in the comics. Yeah. So the Marvel Team Up. So the this was on Nick Fury's Berlin car, uh, MTU83779. So it was Marvel team up 83 released 1979 and the Marvel team up. Basically it started with story in each episode or each issue would have a character teaming up with somebody new. The preceding issue 82 was Spider-Man and black widow, black widow gets injured and then he, Spider-Man teams up with Nick Fury to take on silver samurai and uh, boomerang. Who's another character. The way the issues essentially worked was there was like a cliffhanger at the end. And then one of the characters would continue on 
and go partner with somebody new in the next issue. So it gave every like it, it was a variety hour. Gotcha. Essentially, Spider-Man and Nick Fury met in the Ultimates comics. And this is the one that a lot of this is based on, especially the Peter Parker, younger Peter Parker, 15, 16 year old Peter Parker, the Samuel Jackson like Nick Fury. In this version, they they meet up uh, early on in the run, and, and Fury basically says to him, "It's like your vigilante lifestyle is a little bit of a liability. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll let you be for now, but the minute you turn eighteen, you're going to be conscripted into Shield. Yeah, okay. And so you have to you have to join Shield. At you're going to have to join Shield yeah. at that point, or Sword. <laughs> yeah, or where whatever. Right. Okay. Um, but do you want the other license play references? Yeah, go ahead. Go All for right. it. So the first one was um. Nick Fury and Maria Hill's Audi product placement in the beginning. Uh, <laughs> Marvel brought to you by Audi. And that was number four, that was 463. So it was issue four, 1963. And that was the first appearance of Sandman, who at that moment they were in Mexico. And that was the villain. That, I, I, yeah, I've that got that like note going, about the, the elementals. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead. The Prague car, uh, Nick Fury's car when they're in Prague was ASM 28965. So likely Amazing Spider-Man 28 issued um 1965 which was the first appearance of molten man yep and then tasm 143 was on the bridge when peter and mj kissed for the first time in london mm-hmm. and that was amazing spider-man number 143 which also happened to be the first kiss of peter and mary jane watson gotcha and then they have one a yellow cab at the newark airport which all these kids have to go through this and they get dumped off at Newark. Yeah. <laughs> Which was really not Newark, but it yeah. was, it was uh, out in Europe somewhere. So that was AF one five six two. And that was amazing fantasy number 15 in 1962. So the first appearance. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. So back to those elementals, I guess they're supposed to correspond with Spider-Man villains. You yep. talked about Sandman, you just talked about Molten Man and then Cyclone and Hydro Man. Tell me about these villains. So Sandman, for those that don't know, I'll just do this real quick. He's a small time criminal Flint Marco. Go watch Spider-Man 3. The I actually don't. One. Listen, I got to tell you, I know I've crapped on Spider-Man 3 before. Um, and I know the dance sucks. I hate I hate yeah. bad Peter. But I don't hate Spider-Man 3. Like, I'm not really. I've vil- softened It's a bogged down that. movie. But, but I, you're right. It, but, but like Thomas Hayden Church, like the Sandman's at the end when he's upset. And he, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's I'm like, oh, Jesus, that's yeah. pretty sad. Yeah. It's got a lot of emotion. It's for, for Sam Raimi and he's flashy. It's got a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. And just stay on the Sam Raimi kick for a little bit. When he was going to do Spidey 4, he was Mysterio was going to be. Yes. And it was going to be played by Bruce Campbell. And I have no problem with that. Bruce at Campbell, all. For those that don't at know. all. Had appearances in all of the movies at very key I'm moments you, of Spider-Man's I would life. Be, I would be right there opening night for Bruce Campbell as Mysterio in uh, Rami Spider-Man 4. So I had no problem with that. Go ahead. That would have been great. But yeah. That no, would so, absolutely so, fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> for those also that are old enough to remember the the video games at the time spider-man 2 bruce campbell played more of the narrator character mm-hmm. for it so add in even more of that you know he's constantly tied into spider-man's yeah. life uh, which would have been nice to see so uh sandman aka flint marco he was caught on the beach of a nuclear testing site where the sand ends up bonding with his his body and he could form uh you know weapons out of his out of the sand particles or slip slip away undetected so that's number one. Number two is Hydro Man. Uh, Morris Bench, uh, he's a crewman on the USS Bulldog who was knocked into the water by Spider-Man, which also leads to why he dislikes Spider-Man. Fair enough. Yeah. They were experimenting on a new generator, and and through that, he was able to gain these water powers and turn into this like soluble figure. Mm-hmm. 
this is the story that Brad shares to the class. The rumor that he's like, oh, I was looking this up. This right, guy, right. so-and-so, he, he was in an underwater generator experiment. Uh, the next guy is Molten Man. And so that's Mark Raxton. Uh, Mark is, he was a chemical engineer whose body was covered in this weird organic metal alloy that allowed him to generate heat and absorb heat and fire and things. And he get bigger when he absorb it or no? No. No, okay. No, no. Uh, naturally, he turned to a life of crime. Of course. I mean, listen, you get powers like that. It's hard not to. Yeah. In <laughs> in the comics, he also happens to be the stepbrother of Liz Allen, the character who is the daughter of Michael Keaton's character in the first movie. Ah, very that Peter nice. had a crush on for, for a hot second. For a hot second. Yeah. So ha, I guess, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, crime stuff runs in the family. Yep. Uh, we did Sandman and then Cyclone. So Cyclone, the original one, there's been a couple other ones since, but he was a French researcher who uh, was developing a tornado-based weapon. Mm -hmm. And so instead of using this invention for any sort of good, I don't really know where the <laughs> good comes from there. But again, naturally, what do you think he did? Life of crime. Life of crime. Nice. Uh, nice. And so he became an enforcer for a bunch of mob families in New York. And then later versions, uh, he wore a costume that allowed him to create whirlwinds. Mm -hmm. There are, though, actual characters called the elementals. Yeah, we've talked about yeah. that, right? I don't know if we've talked about it. They're cosmic, here. though, aren't they? They're a little bit more cosmic. They were like, they basically ruled over Earth before. They were extra dimensional beings that had ruled the Earth. So the first one was Hellfire. Fire. Hydron was water. Magnum was sand, I guess. Magma sounds like land. Magnum was probably sand or land. Yeah. yeah. And then Zephyr was was wind. Okay. Way back on the dawn of time, all the MCU did here was take their names. Sure. And a little bit of the backstory when Quentin Beck says, this is where I came from. Well, Quentin Beck also says he came from Earth 833. He did say he comes from right. Which is not, obviously he was making it up, apparently. I'm wondering now if with the multiverse, if they'll bring him back but regardless of that yeah all right so he in earth 833 spider uk is a member of the captain britain corps just tell me what this is <laughs> <laughs> so before i get into that i'm just going to be clear about a couple of things marvel universe 616 is the mainstream comic universe okay yeah but even though that this mcu resides in earth 1999 199 200,000 minus 1. So that so I don't get so this isn't 616. This isn't 616. Okay. He was just making that up. That was a that was sure. a reference to comic fans that said uh and then the Ultimates universe is 1610. Cuz it was it's very close to the mainstream one but What, what do you think we're in? Earth 1? What do you think our uh, designation sure is? Sure there is a designation somewhere. Do you think we're part of the multiverse? Probably. Nice. Nice. We'll be in Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Homeschool, home, what did you call it? Home, home worlds? worlds? We'll be in home worlds. Nice. Uh, anyway, back to Earth 833 and the uh, Spider UK. So William Braddock is Spider UK. He's uh, He was introduced in the Spider-Verse storyline back in 2014. He's uh, a member of the Captain Britain Corps. And the character of Captain Britain holds, uh, he was essentially a character introduced in the 70s to tap into... British comic book fans. And so instead of Captain America, which probably doesn't sell as well over there, especially in the seventies, they gave him the power of Merlin and he's tasked with protecting great Britain. Uh, so spider UK, you know, joins the captain Britain Corps, which is, you know, essentially they're kind of Avengers alpha flight. Got to get that alpha flight there we go. in there. And so he was monitoring the multiverse and he's noticing the death of other spider heroes across the multiverse. And so he eventually joins the fight and, and helps save the day. Costume is very similar to 
the Spider-Man costume, except it incorporates the Union Jack flag in think, it. Yeah, you've, we've talked about that. And then in later years, because he was a popular character, they've uh, put him on a team of other Spider-Heroes called the Web Warriors. Is that like Spider-Pig from both the Spider-Man to it's the Multiverse? It's kind of similar to... To that idea, yeah. The school that Miles Morales goes to, is that the same school that Peter Parker goes to? I don't remember. Okay, because he does go to a school that's for smart kids. Yes, he does. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was curious. So we've talked about Beck, but we actually haven't talked about Quentin Beck's or Mysterio's beginning in the comics, mm-hmm. which I have as Amazing Spider-Man number 13. Just uh, go into Mysterio's background. Yeah. So, like you said, first appearing in Spider-Man number 13, Amazing Spider-Man number 13, uh, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Quentin Beck was a special effects movie stuntman. He was trying to make it big in Hollywood. Uh, he was trying to make it as an actor and thought that his uh, career as a stuntman special effects guy was the the path forward. So when that didn't pan out, uh, he thought he could use his effects skills as what? As a villain. As a villain. Nice. He turned to a life of crime. Uh, so he started facing off against Spider-Man and one of in this uh, amazing Spider-Man 13 issue, he initially framed Spider-Man for stealing from a museum, which obviously didn't help Spider-Man's publicity and, and <laughs> popularity because people thought he was, you know, especially characters like J. Jonah Jameson thought that he was a, uh, a villainous character anyway. So, you know, he was able to use his special effects and, and other items to negate Peter's spider sense. And that was how he was able to get the drop on, on Peter. He eventually joins the sinister six which we kind of talked about, but it's a group of Spider-Man's villains coming together to fight him. So characters have included Vulture, Scorpion, Mysterio, Hydro-Man, Sandman, Green Goblin, Doc Ock, and and a handful of others. Kind of, you know, not all at the same time and then, you know, interspersing right there. Right. He's been around as a villain for 50 odd years. Wow. And so he's, he's one of Peter's original mainstays. In a limited series, it's actually going to be one of our recommended reading, uh, Daredevil, Guardian Devil. Quentin Beck realized that, you know, fighting Spider-Man probably wasn't a good career move for, for him anymore. So he decided to shift focus and decided to take on Daredevil. And so he had gotten information from Kingpin on Daredevil's true identity and really just started to mess with him and, and mess with uh, Daredevil's faith, his Catholicism and a handful of other things that undermine some of his confidence. Right. And you get appearances from Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. And Black Widow, and it's actually it was written by Kevin Smith. Okay, I th- and, oh, I remember him doing that, Ron. Yeah. I remember hearing that. So we got that one in the recommended reading. Definitely check it out. But it was uh, Mysterio ends up being the big, the big villain right. in that series, and it, it is a good read. And then after that didn't work out, he <laughs> went back and started fighting Spider Man. Right. Oh well, you know, go with what you know. Yep. That's all I have for my notes. I don't know if you have any other uh, other ones you said you did. I had a couple more, and one I wanted to. I teased this one in the beginning, but the May and happy relationship. Right, right. And so following, uh, we've talked about this in in multiple episodes before. And and so in the Civil War storyline, when Peter Parker is on Team Tony and reveals his identity, they put him in Aunt May and MJ in Avengers Tower for protection. Just, you know, they could live there. And May begins a relationship with Jarvis, who is a human in the comics. Right. He's not the AI that we get in the films. Both May and Jarvis are like perpetually 83 years old in the mainstream comics. So she always looks old and crippled. And so that's what they started in that one. Obviously, they de-aged her in in this (laughs) film with what's her face? Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei. In the Ultimates comics, uh, while she doesn't have a relationship with Happy, Happy doesn't have that big of a, a, a role to play there. 
she's uh they like i said they de-age her she's a little bit older than marissa tomei's version of the characters but she actually knows peter is spider-man and supports him fully in his his crime fighting endeavors and and so she actually turns her house almost becomes a, a halfway home for for lost superhero teenagers so bobby drake and kitty pride um iceman and and um shadow cat from the x-men and then johnny storm and then so her knowing the secrets in this one is a little bit more like that Ultimate okay character one thing that I thought you might enjoy is Peter Parker Mets fan. Yeah, there you go. Did you catch the Mike Piazza jersey in the? No, I did not. I did not. But you know what? I, I've always liked that Peter Parker. Okay. <laughs> Let me guess. Ned's a Yankee fan. Probably. <laughs> uh, so Pete. Well, and he's from Queens. So he from he's Queens, got. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And which is why even in the this goes back to the comics. So Pete and Uncle Ben would go to Mets games together. And then after Uncle Ben passed, he would continue to. Yeah, Mets games. And so he had some Mike Piazza jersey in there, which I was a little confused about because when did Piazza retire? I want to say like early 2000s, but he retired with the Padres, but he went into the Hall of Fame as a Met. But he I mean, he's big in the 90s. He would have. Yeah. Yeah. It might be a nitpicking here because I think well, he probably should have a David he, Wright well, jersey. He probably would have a if yes if if he probably would have a Wright jersey or like a Jose Reyes jersey. Yeah. You know maybe even like a Degrom right now, but no. I mean Piazza, but Piazza's like I would have a Seaver jersey, and I've never seen Seaver sure. play. You know, so I, I that that's fine. I, I, that's it's fine. It's okay. you know that's right. I know my Mets. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd give you something while I talk about the comic books. There you um, go. Uh, Brad Davis, I, I already told you, I, I hate the character in this, but he was really just a throwaway character in the comics. He showed up when Peter and MJ were on a break. Uh, cue Ross and Rachel. <laughs> she shows up to a, a cruise that they were all going to go on together with Brad Davis, who happened to be a quarterback at the, the local university. And naturally, the cruise gets attacked by villains and <laughs> Spider-Man has to save the day. And so Brad is never seen from again. Good. Thank God. Um <laughs> And then the only other one that I wanted to add, which was, um, you know, we don't know where this is going to go with the storyline, but J. Jonah Jameson makes it an appearance again. Yeah. Could lead into our as a, connections. As a the vlogger. As a, <laughs> yeah. Like a, a Alex Jones, like. Yes. Yes. Um, schlock blogger. But not a, in, in a good way. We don't, we don't like Alex Jones. No, not at all. And so he is, you know, again, editor in chief of the Daily Bugle, constant thorn in Peter's side. We know him from, uh, he's played by J.K. Simmons, who is the only person I think can play this role. Yeah, I don't see anybody else. Yeah. You can't at this point. He does it. He's perfect for it. He is. Yeah. I mean, you don't, it's funny because you've had multiple people play Commissioner Gordon, mm-hmm. but I've never really sat here and been like, he's perfect. Yeah. You know? So it's, but for, for him, Jameson, yeah, he's yeah. perfect. And so, you know, I've talked about it a couple of different times, but in the Ultimates universe, uh, he runs a, a little bit more. It's not just the Daily Bugle. It's the Daily Bugle, but it's updated modern media blog company. I think like the Daily Beast. Right. It's probably what the Bugles become. Right. And so that they kind of pull from that in this one. And then later on in the story, shortly before the death of the Peter Parker character in the Ultimates comic, uh, Peter saves Jonah while revealing his identity as Spider-Man. And so Jonah is uh, eternally grateful and thankful to him. So he now knows. And so that was a big reveal in the comics for years. Jonah had been, you know, Spider-Man's a menace. Get me pictures of Spider-Man. That kid's okay, fine. You take some pictures. I'm going to pay you no money for them. And then when Peter reveals in the civil war storyline that he is Spider-Man, Jonah absolutely just collapses because he couldn't believe it. But in the ultimates version, Peter saves his life. 
you know, in the process of revealing he is Spider-Man. So Jonah is grateful and will do whatever it takes to protect Peter and Spider-Man. And so he offers him a job at the Bugle again, as well as a college scholarship. And then after Peter does die saving the day, you know, he helps console Aunt May uh, in her grief. So not in a, a weird. I got you. Yeah. My prediction, I think we're going to we're going to go into the MCU, but my prediction is going to be that. He's going to spend Parker's going to spend most of his movie denying that he's Spider-Man in the next one. And to the point where at the end he does yeah. and everyone believes him. And then he's going to pull the Tony Stark Iron Man stuff. He's going to go, I am Spider-Man. Everyone's going to start and it's going to go. It's going to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he's going to do. But, you know, that's just me. All right. So there's actually a lot to talk about in terms of this movie and its place in the MCU. One of the things I wanted to bring up was that this film takes place eight months after the Avengers Endgame. Okay. So I want to talk about the Nick Fury stuff first. So he's not Nick Fury. He's Talos. Okay, right? Mm -hmm. We're okay with this. Are we? I don't know. Because here's my (laughs) thing. Here's my thing. Let me get my notes prepared for this. (laughs) He says to him, I was going to talk to you at the funeral, Tony Stark's funeral. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, you know, but I didn't, you know, I didn't think it was, I didn't, you know, it didn't make sense, but whatever. But so is that Nick Fury at the funeral? Or is that Talos at the funeral as Nick Fury? Exactly. Here's the other thing. We find out in the Avenger, we find out in Captain Marvel that Nick Fury doesn't eat toast that's cut into triangles. Wow, you went deep. Do you remember that though, right? I do now. Okay. In Age of Ultron, he's eating triangle toast in Age of Ultron. Exactly. The look on your face what? is what I'm talking about. He So he reveals in Captain Marvel. Where has this been for the last 23 <laughs> episodes? Well, I what? just found it in this. So uh, ex- explain this. I don't, I mean, is I this- don't want to explain it because it makes my head hurt. <laughs> I don't get when Talos and Nick became Nick Fury. I don't understand that whole. I don't understand why. I understand they just they explain it later on in the movie because they were like, oh, thank God he showed up. We didn't know what we were going to do. Blah, blah, blah. This, that, the other thing. So did Talos, Nick Fury get blipped in Infinity War? Or I did don't both get blipped. I or don't one know. Or the other get I don't here? know. I don't. Uh, the, the real answer is probably, hey, listen, we screwed up. We just wanted to do it for this movie because we need to set up Nick Fury being in space. And all the Avengers are off planet, apparently, for some unknown reason that we don't know about yet. I, which must be what the you think that's the Eternals? Is that why? No, I'm going to tell you. So in it, he says, "Scroll Fury," or who we assume is Scroll Fury, says, "Thor's off world." We know this. He's going to be with the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor four, right? Or Guardians three. I forget what the order is. Right, I got you. Doctor Strange is unavailable, and I'll get to that in a second. And then Captain Marvel don't speak of her. Right, which we, we're probably I know we're pulling in WandaVision. We are going to pull in yeah, WandaVision go ahead, right go now. Ahead, go ahead. So two things WandaVision related. One is that's the second time Carol Danvers has, or third time that Carol Danvers has pissed people off. The first yes. time being loser fanboys. The second time, <laughs> the second time being Monica Rambeau. Right, because she says in WandaVision we don't speak of her. Mind her. you, we are recording this after the six episode of one Vision came out yes people are not listening to this probably it's probably done it's probably done by so the we don't know episode. what's happened in the yes. next three episodes mind you go ahead carol is not a people are not a fan something of happened right something happened yeah. and wandavision takes place about three and a half weeks after the events of endgame which we know because monica right. rainbow after, after yes back. the blip back yep, yep she blips back and then the the director hayward says you know it's been three weeks you're yes. the first person to, to come back yes to work so we know that wandavision takes place before Spider-Man Far From Home. And so when they say Doctor Strange is unavailable, 
Doctor Strange 2 is going to deal with the ramifications of WandaVision. We know Elizabeth okay. Olsen is going to play a big part in it. I have some theories I'm not going to share yet. Share those theories. Huh? You don't have to. That's yeah. Fine. Well, you want the theories? No, you don't have to okay. share them. Don't share them. You can save it for the videos. Yeah. So <laughs> I, that's probably where Doctor Strange is. But Captain Marvel really ticked a bunch of people off. Do you like, so is that going to be, she's ticking people off in her own movie or she's taking people off in another movie? I don't know because I thought her movie was supposed to take place in what we're calling the present time, 2023, 2024, because it features the the character, Miss Marvel, mm -hmm. uh, the young girl who's, who's going to be playing the, mm -hmm. the character influenced by Carol and Monica, uh, Tayona Parrish will be playing Monica in Captain Marvel too. So at what point do we get to see? Well, well here's the thing. I don't mean to cut you off, yeah. but here's the thing. So if Monica doesn't want to talk about in WandaVision and Monica Rambo doesn't want to talk about Captain Marvel three and a half weeks after Endgame, where she saves the day in Endgame, this is clearly not going, this isn't something that's happened until it, within those three and a half weeks. Are you telling me that? Or are you telling me that this is from before Endgame? I think it might be before Endgame where- That's a long- So then she must have caused the death of her mother or something like that. Or yeah, or she didn't show- yeah. She didn't come home or something. Or something. Like, yeah. there's, like that, you get, there, that's going to have need some explanation. Yeah. Uh, okay, that, that makes sense. But the triangle toast does not make sense. That's a good catch. That is a great pickup. <laughs> um, one thing that I wanted to hit on too was- they said in that opening montage, which was actually really fun, the the student news network. Right, montage, right. I want to ask you about that, but go ahead. Yep, um, yep. Where they said Captain America's dead. They, yeah. said, they listed off Iron Man, Black Widow, Vision, Captain America. Right. Made me question, is that the story that's being shared? Well, he's no longer around. He's no They're longer just saying active. He's dead, yeah. Is, it, yeah. is that the better way? You know, well, listen, you already know we have, for the last movie, we already have issues with what reality he's in. Here's another thing. So to Marissa Tomei has said that Aunt May was a victim of the snap, but the Russo brothers claim she did not blip out. So here we go again. Here we go again. I got. I, I do have a question about that because she says, like you said, she says she's a victim. Of the and snap. it says it in the show, in yes, the movie. It says yeah. it in the movie. And we also know that Peter blip. We, we yes. definitely know that Peter blip. That yes. is hundred percent confirmed. She says she blipped back into her apartment. They're living in the apartment still. All his stuff is still there. Well, yeah, but somebody was in the apartment when she blipped back into the apartment. So did those people lose out well, in the apartment? That, well, I clearly, it's Which, probably, it's probably a lot. There was probably a lot of litigation going on uh, back. And it's all solved within eight months. Okay. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah. But what I want to ask you and I, oh, good. Did you have something? I was, I was, I think it's maybe the same line of thought you were making with the Russos is. The director, uh, John Watts, was not told a lot of the spoilers of Endgame. So he didn't yeah. know Tony yeah. Stark died. He didn't know about the blip and the time jump. And so he had to go out with his writers and write this movie and do a lot of it without the knowledge of that. That's a problem. Yeah, agree. Well, that, but, but that's also a byproduct of having this whole multi whole, the whole MCU yeah. and having different creators that's going to happen. And I, and, but you got to be all on the same page and it's very, di I mean, it's very difficult to do. And uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. And I'm sure this triangle toast nonsense that I be bringing up is because of that, but okay. But it's still in there. My thing to I, I hope you, that means something. Uh, well, mm, so in Spider-Man homecoming, they play the Spider-Man theme over the Marvel mm -hmm. logo in this movie. They play the Whitney Houston. I will always love you cover. Yes. Are they not allowed to play the Marvel fanfare over a Sony movie? Probably not. I'm I'm curious. Yeah. Because after this movie is, so this movie did well, we already talked about it, did over a billion, oh, yeah. No, yeah. A billion two basically at the, at the box office. 
shortly afterwards is when Sony said, hey, we're not partnering with Marvel anymore. Right. And there was and, and Kevin Feige played it absolutely brilliantly because he basically just said, you know, it's not our fault. It's Sony's. Go talk to Sony. Sony did everything. And so so shortly for those that don't know, uh, Sony and Marvel have a, a essentially a sharing agreement with this character where Peter can yeah. the character of Spider-Man and, and Tom Holland can appear in, in other movies like um, Morbius or Venom. And so Sony has these ancillary Spider-Man characters. And but in the MCU, you can they'll co-produce. Yeah, um, but. You don't see the Disney logo. No, you and, don't see the Disney and, logo. And I don't think Spider-Man's on Disney Plus. It's not. I had to go. We had to go find it it's on, on stars. It's on Far From Home's on stars. But yeah, so is, will it ever be on Disney Plus? Probably not. Here's the thing. It was not a good for like it was four or five months afterwards until mm-hmm. they finally said, oh, we could Disney and Marvel can make another Spider-Man movie again. Yeah. And it was Tom Holland shares the story where he's like, oh, let's just get the deal done and everything. But Sony was under fire because, you know, they screwed up. Yeah. So they screwed up, you know, the, the amazing Spider-Man franchise. And it's like, how dare you take this away from Marvel? Who's doing a good job with a character. And Sony could, but, but that's not going to affect their other IP. So Sony no. can, they could be under fire all they want. It's not going to affect other Sony works or PlayStation or anything like right. that. It's going to affect Marvel and, and yeah, Disney. Right. So Feige can say whatever he wants and Disney can play it, but they had no leverage. They had no leverage, yeah. but they won. Well, they probably I'm so Sony got some money, Sony got but, a here's, lot more money but here's the you. thing. Are you going to have Spider-Man movies not on Disney plus the character that you're at, you're asking to carry you through the next three phases? That's going to that's a big loss. You're going to so I mean, when are you going to buy them, Disney? But, you know, right. <laughs> if we didn't have the pandemic and Disney wasn't losing all this money, I would seriously think about they would probably try to go buy these and acquire mm-hmm. them. But not now. No, they got no money. I mean, they're, they're not they got no money, but. They're hurting. Everyone's They're hurting. hurting. So yeah, subscribers on Disney Plus are way up. And Ninety-five already, million. I have saw already exceeded their four-year goal. Yeah, but you don't have Spider-Man on there. But here's and at which I not didn't want to get into the theatrical versus VOD, but that should tell you right there what people want. People Black don't want Black Widow on Disney Plus. That's what people want. You can say all you want about how I miss the theaters, and I get that. But you're going to do what the consumers want, and the consumers want to sit home and watch it in their house. Um, I love theater, and I love cinema, and I love the whole experience. But it doesn't compete with 13 year old kids who just want to watch it on their iPad and they're in their room. Sorry, this it is what it's what the world is. I paid thirty dollars for Mulan. It was absolutely garbage. I will pay thirty dollars for Black Widow. I won't pay thirty dollars for Raya and the Last Dragon. No. That's the one you put out there when you put Soul and um, but, but see, uh, we onward for we, free. But I mean, I get it—the thirty buck charge. I know it's like, oh my god, it's for you, it probably doesn't make any. But honestly, for you, the two of you are going to watch it here, and yeah. you're, that's less than you going to a movie theater, yeah, going to the movies yeah. for a family of four for Raya, family of five. Oh, that's you do that because you would have spent, and I'm not joking, for a Saturday night. You would have spent at least forty-five to fifty dollars just on tickets yeah. to go see it if you were like a two to two adults and three kids, and that's just tickets. And then you got to and you're going to be dropping twenty-five. Snacks. Yeah, so it makes absolute sense that you would stay home and spend the thirty bucks. Black Widow, you put it on Disney Plus, it'll crash the server. They don't have enough bandwidth right. on at, the servers. For I that. think I think the reason at this point it's been so long now that you have to. You have to because yeah. nobody cares anymore. You have to. The only thing that I can think of and. I'm I'm 90% sure this is after the end of WandaVision because uh, Elizabeth Olsen, this is the release of this episode that you're all listening to right now. Elizabeth Olsen has said that there's a 
Luke Skywalker-esque cameo in WandaVision. I have a theory that it's Black Widow. Does she mean that somebody's face is going to be put on somebody's body? Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> well, that would be a Luke Skywalker yeah. moment. <laughs> Which, the reason I think it's Black Widow, though, is because it, she's tied to the Mind Stone. She accepted that she had to die and, and that you know death is part of life. But the fact that they still think that you're going to get people in theaters for Black Widow, this is their last moment to hype her that up. Otherwise, oh, it just it just dies. I don't really have anything, any other notes in terms of this movie's its place because really nothing has ever come out yet. We are entering a phase where we ha- we're going to be introduced to new heroes going forward. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that obviously I said it before that Peter Parker is going to be that connective tissue to the old and to the new. But that's it. Yeah. Like, you know, so I, get, I got one while I give this last one. Think about how you would rank the final five movies okay. in phase phase three, part two. And that is. Oh, uh, shoot. I forgot we're doing that. <laughs> uh, Edith Howard Stark in Agent Carter dated a woman named Edith. You think this is a this could be a callback to. Uh, really? You got the triangle cross. I got the I Edith know. reference. That's true. That's true. I figured you knew the triangle. I didn't know this thing. Yeah. That, that's, I like that. That's, nice. that's good to know. Nice. All right. All right. So uh, tell me the movies again, because I don't remember. Uh, it is Endgame, Infinity, Infinity War. War, Endgame, Captain Marvel, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. I'm going to probably go Infinity War, number one. Mm-hmm. I'm debating between Captain Marvel and Endgame. I'll go Infinity War, Captain Marvel, Endgame. Spider-Man Far From Home and Ant-Man and Wasp. Because Spider-Man Far From Home has a lot of good set pieces. And I don't mind. I liked Captain Marvel the second time around. Endgame's super boring. I mean, I, but but it's got a lot of moments where it's it's important enough where you put it number three, I think. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man, I don't put, Ant-Man and the Wasp is not last because it's terrible. It's just nothing happens. Yeah, it's all over. It's too over the place. It's just, it just exists. Yeah. <laughs> I have the exact same list. Nice. Yeah. Look at us agreeing. <laughs> same, same reasons on Captain Marvel is I know we, we gave it some slack, but my main issues, the story behind it is fine. It's, it's a solid story. My issues are the unnecessary world building over existing world. So that was my problem. Like you said, Endgame is, is good. It, it drags a little bit in the clip show in the middle, but the iconic moments stand out. And then we've already just discussed Spider-Man and then Ant-Man just, too all over the place yeah all right that's it for me but stay tuned for matt pat's recommended reading but then we're going to come back and probably just break down a whole 30 episodes we just did but go ahead pat what's uh give us some recommended reading as always at the end of each episode we like to send you home with some recommended reading that follows up on some of the characters and plots presented in this week's film our recommended reading section is sponsored by infinite heroes comics cards and collectibles in watertown connecticut If you're in the Connecticut or New England area, it's a great location to pick up comics from Marvel as well as DC, Image, and more. They also have a large collection of trading cards, toys, and collectibles. Owner Paul Santos has worked in comics for years, most recently as an editor at DC Comics. Ask him for a recommendation and tell him we sent you. So thanks for listening to Spider-Man Far From Home. This is it, the final recommended reading for the Infinity Saga. Uh, Thanks again for listening and and joining us on this journey. First up, we have Daredevil, Guardian Devil. Uh, We talked about this one in today's episode, but while Spider-Man and several of the other New York-based heroes make appearances, Kevin Smith, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Joe Quesada tackle Matt Murdock in his crisis of conscience brought on by an unfamiliar adversary, Mysterio. Uh, Number two is Spider-Man Life Story. From a teenager bitten by a spider to a clone saga to becoming an influence to legacy heroes and everything 
Adventure-wise and romance in between, Chip Zdarsky tells the story of Peter Parker in real time through the decades. And finally, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. In this soft reboot of the Ultimate Universe Spider-Man series, Peter is still Spidey as he deals with the fall of cataclysmic events while facing the challenges of high school and proving that he can stand as a hero all on his own. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell your friends, rate, review, subscribe, go back and listen to old episodes. Uh, We appreciate it. And thanks again. All right, Pat, we're back. So I guess I don't know how you want to do this. Did did you have fun? I did have fun. Okay. Yeah. I mean, would I have ever watched these movies again? Probably not. Not this way. I maybe would have seen them on TV and been like, okay, I I tried to while we were doing this podcast sometimes i would try to see if the kids would want to watch them but they had no interest um and you know the target demographic I try to get my wife to see if she wanted to watch them she had no interest so you know exactly i i just it's very difficult to compete with the devices but that's another tale i'm glad that we were able to do something that just didn't keep going on like you know i think it was pretty evident there was an end date to yes. this because you're going to run out of content and you don't, you don't want to just start like, I didn't want to dive into like the daredevil shows no. and the Jessica Jones shows. I mean, we know we did an episode, we talk about them briefly, but I didn't want to do, I don't have any interest in an episode by episode breakdown of stuff. It's just, uh, I mean, unless someone's paying me money, right. sure. Yeah. But no, but you were the one that suggested to do this, right? I can't remember. I f- vaguely remember we were talking you cause I had done forgotten cinema Yes. So you had forgotten cinema and I think we were talking about these movies and, and it was, we started talking about them right around, you started forgotten cinema when and you guys, May, the first episode was uh, May, 2019, but we had been recording probably since April or March. Yeah. And I think, you know, prior to that, you were telling me about that show and I was getting a little frustrated by the lack of stakes in some of the Marvel movies where you go and it doesn't really matter. Right, right. You know, and, and finally it all mattered at the end in, in Endgame where, where, you know, they cleared the board of, of the legacy heroes. But, you know, we, we got talking about them and, and it's a good series. Uh, don't get me wrong. It is an absolute fun series to watch and the, the good far outweighs the bad in these. But I think they needed they, and they deserved a critical eye and, and hopefully we were able to to give it that is... You know, we see people come out of theaters and say, oh, my God, that was the greatest movie of all time. And it's like, no, Thor The Dark World is not the greatest movie of all time. (laughs) It's not even it's barely a regular feature film. And so we wanted to just, you know, look at these not from a let's tear it all down. We wanted to, to, you know, break it down story wise, how they put things together. And and then also, uh, you know, we thought it would be interesting to talk about the comics. Yeah. And when we first talked about doing this. You know, I know we looked up other podcasts and there was obviously tons of them. Right. So it was like, what were we going to bring to the table that other people haven't or in what way? Uh, obviously, that also is how we got our name. <laughs> Yet another. I can't remember the other podcast names we were going to do. But I just remember that once once we hit on yet another, we were like, okay, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And um, I, I think with any podcast uh, duo, you need to. It can't be two people that. I mean, yes, we agree on a lot of things, but mm-hmm. and and this podcast is different from my other podcast because in the other podcast uh, with Forgotten Cinema, it's more. It's not antagonistic, but we kind of we ham up a little bit sometimes yeah. like we'll get into stupid little tangential fights that don't mean anything. And we're just kind of like arguing, arguing to argue. It's, it's called discourse. And you know, like, <laughs> but, but I know like we're just being, you know, we enjoy doing them cause they're fun to do that way. Um, and you guys also pick movies. You, like you right. pick a movie and you do it and then your partner, Mike picks a movie and, and 
reads its reviews it. So we, you know, our movies that we're going to watch were set in stone. Right. But, but also I view this podcast as being more informational, not just for other people listening, but also for me, because I don't know anything about the comics. Right. I mean, I read my first comic. Uh, well, no, I think I've read a couple Archies when I was like stuck in a cabin one day. But, you know, like I never really want read comics. So, you know, I read yeah. Infinity War, not Infinity War, I'm Civil, Civil War. War. You know, we got to meet Paul. We got to do all the recommended reading stuff. And I, uh, Paul's a nice, really nice guy. And we got to go up to Watertown a bunch of times and shoot. That was always fun. And, yeah. You know, you found a place where you can buy comics now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there was definitely like it wasn't. This endeavor wasn't just a waste of time. I don't, you know, you know, we've, you know, we've, we've done other things and we're not necessarily done. I don't know if you want to kind of go into like what we want to do moving forward. Yeah. So the plan for, so for those of you who are still listening right now and have listened either the whole way through, or this is your first time listening to this, please go back and and listen to old ones. But because Disney is, is continuing to pump out content in on the Marvel side, we're not going to do a podcast every, you know, two months, you know, that just doesn't make sense. You, people are going to forget about it. You're not going to realize when it comes out, we're going to do uh, YouTube videos, breaking down the Disney plus series and the Disney, uh, the Marvel movies that are coming out, you know, starting with WandaVision, uh, if that episode hasn't dropped already. Uh, but, but check us out forgotten entertainment on YouTube. Uh, we're going to do an episode breaking down the, the, the series, the full episode, we don't, as you've seen from these podcasts, we don't overly like to speculate on things. So we don't want to get into who's the secret villain or whatever is happening in WandaVision. Again, this is being recorded before it's over with. You know, we want to wrap up the series and, and see how it ties all together. And then we'll also break down some comic book references in each episode. Yeah, so. It's just kind of doing it in video format. Yeah. You know, videos the future. <laughs> I, I laugh because that's always... Uh, that's always been the mantra for the last 15 years is uh, video is the next big thing. And, but it is, it's, it's, it, it's a lot more, you know, you can watch YouTube on your freaking TV. And I said freaking three times now you can watch YouTube on your TV. So it just, you know, it's just as easy as what putting on a show. So yeah. um, there's definitely still content for us to break down and discuss, but in terms of the podcast form, no, we, we would not really. So no. you'll see a lot more, you'll see a lot more of Pat. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more video. But, uh, you know, because there's still stuff we're doing, uh, you know, Pat mentioned Forgotten Entertainment, you know, this yet another MCU podcast was part of that. And that comp, that company is something that Pat and I and uh, my, my other podcast partner, Butler, are kind of spearheading. We've got a bunch of other stuff that's coming out that we're like Pat and I are super like, yes, we're not doing the show anymore. And, you know, it's it's OK. And that's sad, I guess, in a way. But Pat and I are like super excited because we've been wanting to do more stuff behind the scenes with other shows, with sponsors. Like that's something that we are really looking forward to actually having time to do because that's all we talk about. Not, you know, like when we're talking throughout the week, it's not just about the show. Mm-hmm. It's about you know, what we want to do. So there's a lot of stuff that we really, so we really want and need to do. So ending this podcast now is because we need to begin something that we think is more beneficial for everything. Yeah. That, that, am I, I saying think, that right? That's yeah. right. And, and for those listening that liked this style of podcast that have, have stuck with us all the way through, you know, obviously we appreciate it. Um, but there's going to be more. So uh, if it hasn't launched already, uh, yet another Star Wars podcast where we have a, a new team of creators that are breaking down the 11 movies of uh, the Star Wars franchise, as well as a handful of, of bonus episodes, very similar to what we did here 
And then we have uh, another group of guys who are going to break down the DC animated uh, universe, the the new movies that had come out. I think there's like 16, 17 of them or so lot, that, yeah. that started with Flashpoint and go to Apocalypse War. So they'll be diving in in a similar fashion, giving you some history on the comic books, breaking down the film itself, uh, you know, how it differs from, you know, uh, yeah. standard canon and how those movies, because they are a, their own shared universe, how they all tie in together. And so. we've listened to their, they did a uh, practice episode, yes. much like we did with Spider-Man, uh, Raimi Spider-Man. They did a practice episode on the Killing, killing joke. joke, which is not part of the thing. They just did it, but, and they're, they were really good. Yeah. I was really, yeah, we're, I, excited. we're messaging them telling them like, Oh, this is super. This is awesome. And you know, while they're going to follow the format that we do, you know, we encourage them to do, you know, their own thing. Yes. So, you know, but it's, but they were, if you liked what we did here, we really think you'll like yet another DC animated podcast because it's very similar. Yes. And, and yet another Star Wars podcast as well. And so find those out, you know, again, the YouTube channel, we're going to put up the episodes uh, in that format, but you could find them on Spotify, on uh, Apple podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you listen to this, right. You know, find those it's under the forgotten entertainment family uh you go to forgottenentertainment.com mm-hmm. we're really excited for the new shows that we got coming up and it's, and we're looking for others like yes. that's the thing too like uh, here we are gonna we're now here we go now we're transitioning again we've talked pat and i have talked about other ips that we can drop the yet another on like mm-hmm. yet another harry potter yet another uh star trek yet yes. another you know like stuff like that like that's where you know we we're looking to collaborate with other creators that want to go get it that want to go out there and promote and talk and like, just, you know, if this is what you like to do, that's what, that's what Pat and I are here for. Yeah. That's what, so that's, you know, we did this because I remember we did this to start because Pat wanted to do podcasting, but he hadn't really done a lot of it. On, yes. and he wanted to get comfortable on Mike and I've told him before, you're fine. And he was fine. I mean, he, <laughs> he acts like he doesn't know what's going on, but he does. But that's, but that's the thing. Like we did this because we wanted, Pat wanted to get more experience with it. But now he has that. So it's not when you talk to us about shows you want to do, you're talking to mm-hmm. people that have created shows that understand what it takes to go into that. But we also understand what it takes to get those to promote it and yes. stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, but Pat, I had fun. I had fun driving up here 45 minutes <laughs> every, every uh, Saturday morning, every two weeks. Um, with the exception of when, you know, we had a, you know, quarantined and whatnot, but um, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, let me, I'll leave Let's let's leave with this. What was your favorite? What was your favorite moment, either of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe or of the podcast? Oh no, of the pot of the of everything. Just just pick something. Oh man, I don't know. Of just of this, of or of the movies. What was your favorite stand? What was the one standout movie moment from the movies? I don't know. Um, favorite. Hmm. Do you have yours? Yeah, I like the. Um, Tell me yours so I can sit there and think about mine. Well, the, my while my favorite movie might be Winter Soldier, I think that the standout moment has to be the the, the portal scene in Endgame. Well, that's, that's everybody says that. So what? All right, on your left. Yeah, I don't know how you can hear me, but on your left. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> you didn't want me to say him and Peggy dancing, so I didn't say that. <laughs> I'll tell you, my favorite moment was knowing that after watching Captain Marvel and after you've told me you've hated it, I was like, I actually don't mind this, and I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> I don't think I. I don't think I've always been anti Captain Marvel. I've been anti Captain Marvel because of the way they they force her in 
we don't need. Okay. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Well, here's the, I'll tell you what I enjoy. I, I mentioned it already. I enjoyed, you know, us getting to go, uh, and doing the stuff at the comic shop. Yes. Yeah. Get it, you know, cause we were like, Oh, cause so often in those stuff, we always talk about, Oh, we'd really be cool if we could do this, but we actually ended up getting to do that. Yes. So I thought it was, you know, getting to do all those videos, getting to meet Paul, getting to up there and just being immersed in the comic world. And, and just overall learning about this, some of the connections here in terms of the comics and what the intent was and, you know, what they just kind of seeing how they were able to pull some of this stuff into the MCU, but also seeing how they ignored some stuff. Just that whole yeah. idea, just, just kind of using the source material or, or not using it. Like a a shopping cart method. You yeah. Know, you take what you like, yeah. take what you don't, you know, leave what you don't like. Yeah. Uh, I think that was smart of them. And I agree. I think meeting Paul and, and, engaging with the community uh especially on instagram where we we do most of our promotion engaging yep. in the community was a lot of fun um and and meeting with paul and, and filming those videos uh was great yeah and so this is this is great yeah it was fun. good and that's it so see you guys uh stick around for all our um video stuff but um this is it we are i'm signing off thanks for listening we'll see you again